0: so many different ideas about good health? How do you separate the myths from the facts? Welcome to Healthy View Radio with your trio of co-hosts, Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighouse. Today, you'll learn what it takes to be healthy and happy within a stressful world from three experts walking their talk. Here is Lisa, Andrea, and Michelle.
1: Hello, you lovely listeners, and welcome to another episode of hopefully your favorite radio show and podcast, Healthy View Radio. I'm Lisa Luton. I'm joining you today from Berlin, Germany, along with my co-hosts who are fabulous and fun, Michelle Fenninghouse in New York, and Andrea Beeman in Louisville, Kentucky. Hi, Woo-hoo! y'all. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we do get around. Our show today is sponsored by Squatty Potty, and I have to tell you, I had a little reminder the other day when I was flying to Europe, Uh
2: and for any of you who
1: travel, you know where I'm going with this, (laughs) there is nothing like an overnight flight to mess up your battle habits, right? And there is nothing like a little constipation to put you in a really, really bad mood. You know that feeling when you're walking around like a pile of bricks in your belly, Well, that is why we here at Healthy View Radio are big fans of the Squatty Potty. And if you haven't heard of it, the Squatty Potty is a little stool that you put (laughs) your feet up on when you're pooping, and it puts your body in the natural position it's supposed to be in. So it makes everything move a little bit more smoothly, and it gets rid of that brick-in-your-belly feeling (laughs) <laughs> I have been missing my Squatty Potty big time while traveling, but I just found out they have a travel version, which I'm going to check out, and you should too. In fact, if you go to SquattyPotty.com HVR, like Healthy View Radio, you can save 10% on any of their products, and their products are amazing. So after the show, go check them out. <laughs> <laughs> Our topic today is foods that heal, and truth be told, I'm so excited to learn more about this topic myself. I'm also really super excited for our guest, who's going to be joining us in a little bit later in the show, functional nutritionist and superstar, Andrea Nakayama. (laughs) Woo-hoo! Yeah. (laughs) So I often think about the quote by Hippocrates, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Which proves to me that even way, 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 way back when, they knew that food could truly hurt our bodies, but also could really cure it. So why is this concept so foreign to so many today? Basic crappy food makes you feel like crap people, right? That's correct. 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 Personally, I realized that with my clients, I tended to focus on removing bad things like inflammatory foods like gluten and sugar and dairy. But what about adding in those foods? We're gonna really be exploring that today. We often hear, well, ginger is good when you're nauseous, all those types of things. And I know that Andrea and Michelle, that you guys have so much to say on this topic. So let's just dive right in on it. And what are your favorite foods that heal?
2: Who wants to go? You want to go? You going?
3: I'll go. Well, I'm going to go for the low hanging fruit, as it were, the low hanging leafy things, as it were. The first add in for everybody is the dark leafy greens, right? This is the stuff nobody's eating. You go to the store and there's that whole wall of greens. And hopefully, hopefully, they have a whole (laughs) wall of greens. And like every time I go to the grocery store, there's somebody standing there with a look on their face like, uh, and I'll just go, what are you looking for? You know, and they got, a, they got a list. You know that they pulled out of like Cooking Light magazine or something, and they'll say, "Swiss chard," <laughs> go, right there. <laughs> you, want, you want red? You want rainbow? You want green? They're <laughs> like, "Oh, thank you so much," because I think most of us we didn't we didn't grow up eating these things, and so that's top of my list are the dark leafy greens.
2: What about you? Oh, it's funny. Uh, the leafy greens, you know, they have a bitter flavor, and bitter we need to stimulate the production of our mm. enzymes, as well as to clear heat, right? Clear heat from the body. So most people are getting their bitter, not in their greens, not from Swiss chard, but they're getting it where? Coffee. Coffee, that's mm. right. So according to ancient healers and ancient traditions, right, there's, there was no separation between your food and your medicine. Your food was your medicine. So today we're bringing back the concept, that food concept.
1: Did you
3: just cut out for a second?
2: I didn't hear you there.
3: Say that again.
2: Yeah, say that again. We
1: lost you for a sec. Boy, Andrew is all. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Well, she was saying something really brilliant about greens, and I was loving it even more brilliant. Oh, well. Well, anyway,
3: Andrew was talking about the benefits of eating those dark leafy greens and that bitter flavor, which is, I think it's the, it's the flavor that we're most opposed to. People go, oh no, I don't like, I don't like kale or I don't like a uh, broccoli Rob is a really bitter green. Do you eat broccoli Rob, Lisa?
1: I eat, I actually love vegetables. Like they're the only vegetable I don't eat is green peppers because I just don't really care for them. Um, I got a little sick once, and you know that thing. But yeah. like literally every other vegetable, I get so excited about. And I cauliflower, I just go crazy over. But have and you Brussels always sprouts. been that way? No, I didn't eat vegetables till I turned thirty. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> like when I grew up, vegetables came like those frozen bags of little like you know, carrots and like things like that. And they were just peas and it was disgusting. And so around when I turned 30, I guess I started experimenting and realizing that if you cook them in a nice way or made salads with fun ways, they were just great. And to me, like roasted vegetables are like candy.
3: Oh, they can be so good, but this is the stuff that is really missing. So, in terms of adding in, we're talking about adding in those uh, leafy greens and another uh, category of food that comes to mind that we generally don't eat enough of, or you know, we get so much benefit, so much healing power comes through are um, berries. You know, anything with like the dark reds, the dark blues, and like right now they're coming back into season which I'm thrilled about but you know even through the winter you can have them frozen so or pomegranate seeds are another example of that these things are packed with those phytonutrients protect your body and are so important in
1: healing yeah and it's so true and I think when I was first thinking about this topic I wasn't thinking about the obvious ones for me the fruits and the vegetables which have just really become like the way I eat you know for most part except when I'm here in berlin <laughs> But yeah, anyway,
3: right now? <laughs> sausages, right? Not, yeah, oh,
1: just crazy stuff. But they have really amazing, um, like vegan food. I'm not a vegan, but they have amazing vegan food throughout Europe that I'm finding that are just beautifully presented, like so much nicer than what I've seen in the States, which is really quite lovely. But you know, when I was thinking about superfoods, I was thinking about the things like goji berries and hemp seeds and cacao nibs and all those foods that weren't, they weren't in our lunchboxes for sure. You know, they're, they're relatively new foods on the scene. And I thought we could talk about those for a little bit because everybody's rushing out to buy these superfoods, you know, to enhance their diets. And it's really confusing.
3: Mm, So what do you think? Should should we be running out to (sighs) enhance our diets with the cacao nibs?
1: I personally really like cacao nibs. I actually really like all those foods because I like texture in food and I feel, and I also like color in food. So like goji berries, throwing them in a salad can give you like beautiful color and a little crunch or chewiness, depending on how long they've been sitting in the bag you know? <laughs> and hemp seeds when I was vegetarian was amazing. Cause I could just sprinkle them on a salad and get, felt like I was getting more protein in there.
2: Welcome back, Andrea. What did I miss while I was gone? (laughs) Kentucky Derby. What did I
1: miss? (laughs) We jumped
3: from vegetables to superfoods. What do you think? Yeah, selling out the big bucks for the goji berries and the cacao nibs.
2: Well, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Every food has its decade or its year, right? Depending on what's being marketed. So what did we have in the 80s? Blueberries. In the 70s, we had oranges. Eat your oranges, get your vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we have the superfoods, the goji berries. We have kale. Kale had its its, it was king kale for how many years? So I think that every food has its time that it's going to be marketed to the masses. But we still need to, before Kentucky took me away, <laughs> I was saying that food needs to be used as medicine, right? And according to the ancient people, there was no separation between your food and your medicine. So we just can't throw here. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not feeling good. Goji berries here, greens, because we're not looking at the whole person. We're not looking at the whole condition. We're not looking at the stress levels. We're not looking at what what's the season. We're not looking at any of that. Where's the food coming from? We're not looking at any of that. We're like just It's almost like the Western mentality. Mm -hmm. Here's the disease. Here's what you give it. Instead of, okay, where is this person? What's happening in their life? Are they relaxed when they eat? What's the season? What time of the day? We're not looking at any of that. So I think in order to really use food as medicine, we got to kind of get away from all the marketing of the food and start to get into much deeper thoughts about it.
3: Mm, that's such a good point. And I was thinking the same thing like, yeah, ginger has healing qualities. Yes. <laughs> like such and such food is really good for this or that, or carrots are good for your eyes or you know, right. whatever it Listen, is. And
2: I eat carrots and I wear glasses, <laughs>
3: you too, I but you know, <laughs> like the bigger picture, you know, like if you're eating a lot of processed food in your diet mm. and then you go ahead and add in some whatever to solve whatever the problem is like that one it's not a one-to-one like it's not a pill you can take that's right kind of healing you have to look at like the whole picture of a person's diet yeah
1: it's like when they were adding fiber on every package to everything it's like hello i'm sorry cookies with fiber is probably not the best way to go right (laughs) but like oh it has fiber it must be great but you know i was doing some googling on just what's out there googling you know like (laughs) remember google our friends.
2: Yeah, you look us uh, when you go on there.
1: Yeah, and just some of the information out there is so misleading, you know mm-hmm. that people think, you know, even just milk, which I know is still a very controversial food, but we grew up saying milk is going to give us strong bones. And you know, if anybody is aware of any of the studies they found, you know that it It never really helped our fracture risk, if anything, it hurt it. And there's a lot of misinformation out there about what is healthy food and what isn't. And so if anyone is confused, definitely type your questions out there on Facebook, those who are watching us, because there's a lot, a lot of confusion out there. So don't be embarrassed about it.
3: Good point. Oh my god, I just had a checkup with my son at the doctor and she looks at me and says, "How many cups of milk does he drink per day?" Mm-hmm. I said, "None." You know, and I thought she was going to slap me in the face and send me yeah. out the door to go buy some <laughs> milk. And I'm thinking, "But lady, ask me about the rest of my kid's diet, you know? Like mm-hmm. I've got you you don't even know the difference between my kid and the, and the next family, you see, and what they're right. eating, you know? Why don't we talk about the vegetables and the nuts and the seeds and the the variety that he's getting. No, he doesn't have milk, but she gave me the shame on you finger.
2: Yeah, well that's the indoctrination, right? So I I don't think that milk is necessarily good for the bones, right? But I also don't think it's the demon food that we've made it. And, um, and like there are many cultures that have thrived on dairy products and kefir and yogurt. yogurt. Uh, yes, totally. They've thrived on cheeses. They've thrived on those foods but they didn't use them for bone health right so i think right. that's something that we created and right. now it's it, it we're indoctrinated into that
3: well there's a dairy lobby out there right that's so right. there's a message that has to be sent this is how you create i know i know we do yogurt we do cheese it's not like off the off limits but i'm not like you know mm-hmm. boys you got to get get your 32 ounces of milk every day you know <laughs>
1: And it's also how does your body react to it? And that's what we we all come back to that all the time on this show is like, how are you feeling when you're eating this food? Some people don't do well with dairy. Some people do fine with it. So yeah. that
3: will have to hang a question mark over that one. We can't tell everybody out there that milk is a food that heals your bones. Drink up for you know osteoporosis. And we also can't say don't drink it. It's the worst thing ever. We don't want to go either way with
1: that. So what are you recommending your clients to
2: eat, both of you guys, when they come to you? Um, For me, when my Mm -hmm. clients come to me, first, I get them connected back to the local food from their environment to support their microbiome, to help their endocrine system become more balanced. And then I tweak it from there you know, like, where do you live? What environment do you like? The person who's living in Canada is going to get a way different diet than the person that's living in Florida. There's two different environments. So that's what I like to do. Um, And of course, you know, put in their leafy greens and get all that good stuff and get them off the processed foods. And you're already going to shift them into a better place. What do you got girl up there on the top?
3: I go for (laughs) I always look at what they're eating now, right? So somebody might love broccoli and they eat broccoli like every day that's their vegetable they think they're doing great because they eat a lot of broccoli and you know broccoli's not bad for you by any stretch of the imagination but every except if that. you eat it every day yes yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always, or maybe it's something else maybe it's every day they're having their frozen yogurt or every day they're having their you know 10 cups of coffee and i'm just looking for uh, what is in excess and how can we balance it out well, what are they not eating any of what flavors like bitter flavors are they not getting or even sweet flavors? Because if somebody has intense sugar cravings every evening and they're pounding the chocolate like it's their job, well, what other sweet flavors are you getting during the day? Is there any like sweet potatoes or other sweet vegetables in your meal? So I'm always just looking for the holes and seeing where we can balance things out first before we get into specifics.
1: Mm -hmm. I have this thing where I I try to have people increase the variety of the healthier foods and decrease the variety of the less healthy foods. Because we want to have that rainbow of vegetables and fruits and all that things. The more colors, the better. But if we go to the dessert buffet, we don't have to have the cookie and the brownie and the cupcake and the cheesecake, right? Just one is Aww, fine. Just one. Just one. No. You know, there's a lot of colors at the dessert table, too. <laughs> <laughs> Especially where I am. Oh, my God. Crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> well, I am really, really super excited. I want to take a minute and tell you a little bit just about the guest who's going to be on our show, um, Andrea Nakayama, who was talking about before. Andrea, who I had the pleasure of hanging out with last summer in San Diego, is a rock star. She's a functional nutritionist, an educator leading thousands of clients, students, and practitioners around the world in a revolution reclaiming ownership over one's health. In the curriculum of Functional Nutrition Lab, her online school for practitioners, Andrea teaches the science and art of functional nutrition practice through the lens of where food meets physiology. With her own clinic, Andrea and her team of nutritionists work with the chronic ailments most providers pass over, and she's regularly consulted as the nutrition expert for the toughest clinical cases in the practices of world-renowned doctors. How lucky are we to have her on the show today, you guys?
2: Lucky.
3: So lucky. <laughs> always, always wanted to speak with her, and I hear so many people talking about her courses and her programs and just raving, raving.
1: Yeah, yeah. Raving, raving. Um, She's totally a role model superstar for all of us. So all of you out there on Facebook, please start posting your questions. We will be answering your questions live here. And we will be back with you shortly after the break with Andrea Nakayama.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you sick of striving for a vision of healthy that just doesn't exist? Join the club. Expert health coaches Andrea Beeman, Michelle Fenighouse, and Lisa Lutan are more than just voices on the radio. They're here to help you make real change in real life. Join their Facebook community, healthyviewradio.com, to ask questions, get behind the scenes, and receive early access to special offers and events. Again, you can connect at healthyviewradio.com. Remember to subscribe to Healthy View Radio on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in to the Voice America Variety channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighaus with Healthy View Radio. Do you have a question or comment for the show? Please call us right now at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email from our Voice America radio page. You'll find connections to reach any of the hosts there. Now, back to Healthy View Radio. Welcome
3: back to Healthy View Radio. My name is Michelle and I'm here with my co-hosts, Andrea Beeman and Lisa Lutan. And today we've been talking about the healing power of food. To further explore this topic, I would love to introduce you to our special guest, Andrea Nakayama. Andrea has become a big deal in the world of functional medicine as a nutritionist who can help chronically ill people get better when no one else can. Her clinical skills have won her the attention of many world-renowned doctors who consult with her on their difficult cases. More than that, she trains 1,000 practitioners every year in how to have the clinical success that she's had. CEO and founder of the Functional Nutrition Alliance and Functional Nutrition Lab, she's training an army of changemakers in the field of healthcare, and we do need an army, so we're so glad that you could join us today, Andrea. Welcome.
4: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you all.
3: Oh, we're glad you had the time between all the different things that you're doing. I want to talk about all of it.
4: (laughs) Dive in. Yeah, well,
3: before we get into the professional stuff, we like to ask a few personal questions just to get to know you. And I think we'd all love to know the answer to this.
4: What'd you have for breakfast today? You know, I knew you were going to ask me that. I didn't. I made a cashew milk with some collagen protein powder in it. And then I had a, a grainless granola that I had made. So nuts and seeds and coconut and some cacao, like you were all talking about, and some raspberries. And I poured my milk on top. Yum. Beautiful. Yeah.
3: All right. So we have a great breakfast. I know you that's had that breakfast, breakfast because you knew I was going to ask you about it. Otherwise, it's like the McDonald's sandwich. Right?
4: Totally McDonald's sandwich. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind of
3: my usual breakfast. Yeah, I have some <laughs> usuals that I it's do. such a great value. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> aside from great breakfast, what is one thing that you do every day that has the greatest impact on your life?
4: Mm-hmm. There's so many things these days. I've have a lot of rituals and practices, some every day, some not every day. But every day in the morning, I do light a candle and set an intention for myself Do a really short meditation so that I can come into the day with some intention. Like you said, there's a lot going on in my day. I'm touching a lot of people's lives. I'm a single mom. I'm managing a business and a team and clients and students. And having that quiet time for some intention really does set me up for a good day.
3: Amazing. We love to hear that. We all need a way to set ourselves up for busy days.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And then, you know, at the end of the week, (laughs) when you're
4: done, (laughs) we want to know, what's your biggest guilty pleasure? Oh, man, my guilty pleasures probably aren't so guilty. I am a good girl. I'm trying to think. What are my guiltiest pleasures? Um, I do like my cacao. It I don't eat any refined sugar, but I do like to eat chocolate. Um, so I do eat some ch- man, I'm trying to think. Guilty. I know. Oh, girlfriend, guilty. we gotta get you doing some bad stuff. Well, I do, yeah. Hmm. Well, she <laughs> is a cacao whore. So- <laughs> 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 ah, I, I, every so often i will drink a little coffee i have to stay with some coconut milk um yeah i don't know I, I don't drink wine i do like to play i do like to get out in nature um and i don't feel guilty about anything which is a good thing why feel guilty i don't i can't think of a thing i feel guilty about just pleasure, no guilt. I'll take exactly. it. Exactly. I'm going to put it in that context. I all, feel guilty drinking out of this
2: plastic bottle. There bottle. you go. Oh, yeah.
4: I've <laughs> got my matcha in my hand. No. I'm not going to take guilt. No guilt. Who needs guilt?
3: <laughs> no guilt, all pleasure. You heard it here first. All right. <laughs> So, I think people are kind of wondering about the term functional nutrition and your name and functional nutrition go hand in hand. So, would you mind telling our listeners what that term means and how functional nutrition is different than seeing the dietitian or the RD, you know, at the hospital?
4: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of people these days or an increasing number of people are familiar with the term functional medicine. And when we think of functional medicine, there are three primary principles that we want to think into. We want to think about a partnership. So the patient and the practitioner have a therapeutic partnership. And to me, that means that the patient is coming up to the task, that there's real engagement from both parties, that we're looking for the roots. We're always asking why. So in conjunction with what you were talking about earlier, we're not just looking at food as medicine on its own. We're looking at what I call symbiosis. Where does the food meet the physiology? How does this food work for this individual? So we're thinking about root cause. What's going on in there? Why is it happening? And we're looking at systems. We're thinking in biological systems. How is everything related to each other internally, as well as the systems in which we work clinically to find those resolutions, especially when things are complex. So in functional nutrition, as, a function, in, as opposed to functional medicine, we're working in what I call the gap in functional medicine. So a lot of times the physician can see clinically from a a pathological standpoint, what all is going on in the body and the patient is sort of stuck in the weeds. And we need another clinician to come into that center area, that gap that can also see clinically, but work with everything related to diet and lifestyle modification everything. So not just eat a healthy diet, but how does this healthy diet interact with your system, with your condition, with your diagnosis? So in functional nutrition, as opposed to diagnosing and prescribing, I say that we assess and we understand the tools of assessment. And those are tools that I've created. We recommend and we track and so we're looking at everything in relation to what happens when we make a dietary and lifestyle modification to actually correct the deeper pathological issue. So I call that the art of the practice, assess, recommend, and track. And it's key to our journey to health. Beautifully
3: put. Thank you so much for that. You're I not. think many have had, you
4: know, different
3: experiences seeing various nutrition professionals. You know, I've I've had people come to me and say, Oh, thank God you're not an RD because such and such happened when I, you know, that 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 everyone has their different take on it. So yeah. it's great to hear what you mean by functional nutrition. Now I noticed on your website, I was checking you out a little more in depth. <laughs> and I noticed that we had something kind of funny in common, which is that we both initially got our degrees in art. Mm-hmm. Which you yeah. would think is nothing to do with nutrition there. So how did you transition?
4: Yeah, well, there's a personal story in there, as I'm sure there is with you, Michelle, there usually is. And What led me into nutrition was a passion about food and about my own body, but then particularly my husband's diagnosis with a brain tumor. He was diagnosed when I was seven weeks pregnant, and so that took us from like a little passion about food to how do we actually use food as medicine. So I think of his brain tumor, his time with a brain tumor as my boot camp in learning about nutrition before many years Before I changed my career. So he was given about six months to live. He lived two and a half years. So he died when our son was 19 months old. Our son is now 17 years old. So that really started a different journey for me. And the benefit, and perhaps with you too, Michelle, is that as somebody who is trained as an artist, I not only can create the systems that people can use that make sense um, visually and structurally and systematically, but I have a different way of seeing into a case. I tend to see very three-dimensionally, and that's what I teach other clinicians to do, and that's what the clinicians in my um, own clinic do. So we're seeing functionally. We're seeing through the whole lens as opposed to just linearly or pathologically. So it was a long journey, definitely with a personal component in there, as I think is true for every single one of us that is in the health and healing profession. Absolutely. Thank
3: you for sharing that with us. Wow. Okay. So, Now, when you're working with clients or when your team is working with clients, you said something about a partnership where Mm -hmm. your your clients are really coming to the table as an equal. And I imagine that means that it's a totally different relationship, right? It's not a doctor who's writing a prescription that says, here, go see a nutritionist, you know, blah, um, have them tell you what to eat. This is someone who's showing up and says, I'm ready to take part in my own healing. So what types of health conditions and concerns do most people come to you with?
4: In our clinic, and you know, really my sweet spot is either the undiagnosed or the polydiagnosed. So the people who are actually seeing the top doctors and still not getting better, because let's face it, particularly as women, we are complex. And I don't just mean behaviorally and psychologically complex. We are complex physiologically. And what led us to any sign, symptom, or diagnosis usually took many years, and there were many tipping points, many, as we call them in functional medicine, antecedents, triggers, and mediators that got us to that point. And so uncovering that takes time and and tracking. Like I said, we need to really look and see what's happening. But we tend to work with what we call the big bigs. And when I use that terminology, I mean they have a big health issue and they've already made a big effort. So we look at big bigs, big littles, little bigs, and little littles. The little little, the person who has a little health issue and you know is drinking Diet Coke and eating McDonald's, that's not that's not our person. The little big, someone who, you know, has a little fatigue, but they're really interested in health. That kind of person loves my online courses because I'm teaching a lot into physiology and how to upgrade your health and helping people to understand their hormones and their blood sugar. The big little, meaning big health issue, little effort made that person does need to become a big, big and we can take them there, right? They need to put in the effort. So the people we work with most are the big bigs or the huge bigs, the people who have tried everything. They're still not where they want to be. And they are taking that ownership over their own health. We're going to ask our clients to track a lot of information to help us see into what the realities are for them. Mm, So I would guess autoimmune conditions. A lot of autoimmune. Yeah, a lot of autoimmune, Lyme. It could be cancer. Chronic conditions are where we specialize. So again, big health issues. They could be big hormonal issues. Again, some people aren't even diagnosed. They're having a lot of a confluence of signs and symptoms, but nobody's given them a diagnosis. So usually those poly autoimmune, poly-systematic um, conditions.
3: Oh, I see. Now, are you doing diagnosing?
4: Or are you working hand-in-hand with uh, other clinicians? And We are not diagnosing. We are assessing. So mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't mean we can't order and review labs and that if I had the license to diagnose, I couldn't see something. But we can suggest and work in partnership With their physicians. So that's where we are also partnering as functional nutritionists in the relationship between the other health providers on the team. So it's not us versus them, it's a yes (laughs) and situation. And that's also the difference between functional nutrition and other approaches. It's really not about food is medicine and you can do this all through your probiotics, you don't need to take antibiotics. You know, it's really about what's the situation here. And how do we support the patient in getting the best help and health they can achieve? Perfect. So I'm curious
3: about this question. I have I, I prepared this question for you. And then you started talking about what you eat for breakfast and
4: how you have no vices. And so now- Oh, no. I'm going to say no vices. I'm going to say no guilt. No guilt. <laughs> Maybe my vices aren't appropriate to talk about on the radio.
1: <laughs> Everything's appropriate on this show.
4: I like that.
3: Listen, lately I've been seeing a lot of pushback on the term clean eating or clean food. People talking about how this term is actually detrimental. And I was wondering what you think about those terms. Is it a useful way of thinking about food or is it harmful?
4: You know, I, I really do think we have to think through the individual perspective. So that comes into when I look at what I've designed as the functional nutrition matrix. We have to think of the person's story, which is their antecedents, triggers, and mediators, their soup, which is what's happening physiologically for the individual, and their skill in relation to those things. So if we're using terminology that's impacting or triggering someone psychologically, then we need to back out. But for me, instead of using the term clean eating, I like the term that I've designed in my three tiers to nutrition or epigenetic mastery, which are the non-negotiables. What are the non-negotiables for that individual? And the non-negotiables are the things that you were all talking about earlier. How do we have diversity in our diet? As much diversity as that person's body allows, not everybody's body allows for them to eat broccoli or onions or ginger or garlic. We have to think about diversity related to the individual. Now, clean it depends what we mean there, but we want the diet to be as nutrient dense as possible for that individual. So those are non-negotiables for me. And I think when we take the heat off of the terminology and help an individual understand how it's part of their goal for themselves, the triggers go away. But I I, I think it gets, for me, I, I have to say, Michelle, I don't, pay attention so much to the noise in Google or all of that. I'm really looking at an individual, what's happening in there and how do we get to their needs? Um, One of the things I termed in a presentation I gave to other online personalities in the health space was what I called the epigenetics of the online telesummit. And this is the prompt... (laughs) (laughs) This is the problem I feel happens when we're all on summits and being interviewed and we give our recommendations for supplements or conditions and people run off and do those things. And that is as bad as Google or these terminologies and how they're triggering people that's not about the individuality. And when it comes to health, I really think... Things are getting more and more complicated because a number of conditions in our environment and we have to think through a different lens. So I tend not to get caught up in what the right and wrong terms or foods are and instead think through a bio-individual lens. terrific So we have two new hashtags, you guys. We've got non-negotiables. Totally. Totally. <laughs> And about
3: nutrient dense, right? So we can, we can add those onto our Instagrams later. <laughs> I love it. So um, we are going to go to a short break. But before we do that, real quick, Andre, I wanted to ask you, you're training so many practitioners. Who are some of your teachers and mentors? Just give us like two or three. Ooh, uh,
4: I learned a lot from a lot of different places. Dr. Alex Vazquez is one of my teachers way back when he's a functional medicine doc, lives in Europe now. Um, he was a big influencer for me. And then, um, I've just learned so much from so many people. I'm also going to say Dr. David Jones, who's one of the founders of the Institute of Functional Medicine. He's a real inspiration for me in his, the way he looks at the paradigm of health and where we sometimes get trapped into the evidence, what I call the evidence trap um, in, and lose our clinical intuition. So I'm going to call out those two. I wish I had said it a woman. Um, Wait, wasn't
2: Dr. David Jones, wasn't he on the monkeys? <laughs> right, so
1: we're right we going to continue
3: talking about some <laughs> topics we're going to get into thyroid health autoimmune disease digestion whatever else we can squeeze in so stay with us we will be right back
0: helping you make informed decisions for your life this is Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you sick of striving for a vision of healthy that just doesn't exist? Join the club. Expert health coaches Andrea Beeman, Michelle Fenighouse, and Lisa Lutan are more than just voices on the radio. They're here to help you make real change in real life. Join their Facebook community, healthyviewradio.com, to ask questions, get behind the scenes, and receive early access to special offers and events. Again, you can connect at healthyviewradio.com. Remember to subscribe to Healthy View Radio on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. and Michelle Fenninghouse with Healthy View Radio. Do you have a question or comment for the show? Please call us right now at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email from our Voice America radio page. You'll find connections to reach any of the hosts there. Now, back to Healthy View Radio.
2: Welcome back to Healthy View Radio, your favorite place to chill out and learn some very cool stuff every Thursday afternoon. I'm Andrea Beeman here with my co-host Lisa Lutan and Michelle Fenninghaus, and if you're just hopping on with us right now, we are chatting with Andrea Nakayama, uh, the founder of the Functional Nutrition Alliance and Functional Nutrition Lab, and, uh, I read on your site or somewhere on a podcast somewhere, maybe I was listening, that you're a Hashimoto survivor. And I love talking about thyroid and especially autoimmune conditions. So can you share with our audience a little bit about your Hashimoto's journey and how you're managing it?
4: Yeah. And I know you're a thyroid expert too. We've got the Andrea Andrea thyroid thing going on. Um, Yes. So as I mentioned, I lost my husband um, almost uh, 16 years ago now. And that of course was a huge stressor for me. And pregnancy in itself can be a trigger for autoimmune conditions particularly autoimmune thyroid conditions i had just a little extra stress in the situation while i was pregnant so um, it took me several years to figure out what was going on with me but i finally uncovered what nobody else could uncover and i have to say nobody else could figure out that i had Hashimoto's or a thyroid condition because i didn't appear to have one and part of that was because i ate really healthy i took care of myself so I wasn't having many of the symptoms, but something didn't feel right for me. And this is so true for so many women with autoimmune conditions, particularly with autoimmune thyroid conditions, that they're raising their hand saying something doesn't feel right and nobody's really paying attention or the labs don't that are being drawn aren't appropriate and don't show us the true situation. So for me, it took some time to figure it out. It took my own research. This is all before I was in practice myself. And then I started to uncover what to do and how to go about that. And this is where I start to look at the three-legged stool of autoimmunity. There's a genetic predisposition. I also discovered that my mom had Hashimoto's and was able to help her manage her thyroid condition which to that point hadn't been managed. There's uh, gut dysbiosis, leaky gut, gut hyperpermeability. So we need to look at what's happening in the digestive system. And there's usually some type of infection, um, microbial imbalance or something going on at the immune level that is causing that uh, confusion in the immune system. So that three-legged stool kind of needs to be dismantled as part of our non-negotiables in addressing autoimmunity. And I very systematically started to do that work for myself.
2: Well, it's great. Now you're teaching it to uh, the whole people in the world. So that's great. Yep. Um, so you say that autoimmune conditions, I mean, we know that autoimmune conditions are on the rise, but you say that autoimmune conditions aren't cured, but they are managed. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah,
4: I know people don't like that word. I have to say people wanna talk about remission and cure, and it is very possible for us to dampen the response that our immune system has. The truth is we have different layers to our immune system. And one of those layers is our adaptive layer. It's the layer that we train, just like when you think about an immunization, you're getting a small dose of something so that your immune system has the memory to attack it again. So if we think about chickenpox, if you've had chickenpox or you have a chickenpox vaccination, your body's then trained to recognize chickenpox should you ever be exposed. Now our immune system has been trained in its confusion to attack tissues in our own body. And in Hashimoto's, or in any autoimmune condition, but in Hashimoto's in particular, it's trained to attack the tissues in our thyroid. We can dampen that impulse of that attack by managing the immune system managing the gut where a lot of immunity lies and really making sure the factors aren't there that trigger that hyper in the immune system the immune system's confused but i think of immunity autoimmunity like a pregnant belly the first time it goes there it takes a little bit to show the second time it shows really more, a lot more quickly so the immune system has been trained. It's then our job to manage its uh, hypervigilance and its attack on tissues that are our own. So, for me, that's the management and that's empowering instead of handing our power over to cure or some solution that um, I think we all want, but often doesn't exist.
2: Yeah, I think stress will always bring all yes. autoimmune conditions up to the top.
4: Absolutely, come up to the surface.
2: No matter how long they've been underneath, it'll come. Boop, you exactly,
4: go. huge trigger, huge mediator. Those are the things that once we know them, we are able to manage them ourselves. So you know, when we joked earlier, how many vices? How many guilt? I don't need guilt in my life. Like no guilt. <laughs> that's going to be a stressor. Vices, I'm choosing carefully. You know, I think about it. I, the way I talk to patients is, you have your your uh, path. You have the poison ivy, and you have what? Because I live in Portland, I call the bike lane. You on the East Coast (laughs) call the shoulder. We all need to find our path and know where we can drive in the bike lane or the shoulder on occasion, and know what is our poison ivy. And that is that is owning your own health. And for me, the risk reward of driving in the poison ivy is not worth it. So I know my bike lane, and I know my path. And that's where I can be my most vibrant, productive, uh, you know, my, my my best self, which is what my goal is in life. Be my best self.
2: That's awesome. And listen, FYI, when you come to the East Coast, we now have bike lanes. I'm just saying. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm a Jersey girl, Andrea. I grew up in Jersey. So Jersey! <laughs> I know the difference there. And I live in Portlandia now, but i
2: so we had a couple of questions that came in on Facebook and one was about um, arthritis and he didn't say whether it was autoimmune or uh, osteoarthritis and, you know, uh, rheumatoid or uh, osteo. Yeah. And then we also had a question about proteins. So you talked about gut dysbiosis before. Can you elaborate on that to help people like give us quickie? I know it's not really that quick. It's preparing the good. gut to help yeah. them assimilate the nutrients and calm down the inflammation. What do you got?
4: Yeah, so what I want to say here is that this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like when we're talking about food as medicine, we have to not just think about what the food is, but how the individual is able to digest and absorb. And those are very complicated processes that happen from top to bottom, from our mouth to our anus. We need to make sure that all that is happening optimally. It's functional, right? We need to make sure digestion is functional and digestion is the process of breaking everything down. so that it is in the form that feeds the cell cells and absorption is what happens in our small intestine primarily and we want that intestines to be in in good order so that we can get what we need from the beautiful food that we're eating. So even somebody eating the best diet ever can experience malabsorption if their digestive system isn't working properly. So tending to the gut is number one for me, again, non-negotiable. No matter what health issue we're dealing with, we have to look at the gut if we're talking about food. If we're talking about nutrition, it is where food meets physiology. Your digestive system is essentially outside of you. It is a tube like the inside of a donut and anything that comes in through that tube is getting into your bloodstream, which is where most of your immune system is. So first and foremost, we have to make sure that the digestive system is in good working order from everything from how you think about food, which is your cephalic stage of digestion, to chewing, to your enzymes, to your stomach acid, and then particularly how we make sure that the permeability of the gut is in good order, it's not hyperpermeable, so that we only get what we need from our food. And poop, poop is so important, we have to be thinking about our poop. So, quickie on digestion, I mean, there's some, I teach the digestive intensive, which is five weeks, you know, it's, it's a lot to understand digestion, but I would say first and foremost, you need to look at your food, your mood, and your poop, and by mood, I mean any sign or symptom, that you experience, and that's the gift I have for everybody here, is my Food Mood Poop Journal. You have to track and look. So first and foremost, to learn about your digestion, look at your poop. That's what I'm going to say.
2: Oh, that's great, because that was going to be my next question, because we love pooping on this poop. show. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we love
1: talking about poop all the Poopy time.
4: Right now. There's guilty <laughs> pleasure, right? Guilty pleasure. Like, love, <laughs> love a good poop. <laughs>
2: Uh, You also talk about um, uh, cold drinks impeding the digestive fire, and I'm a big fan of TCM myself. So could you um, share your thoughts about cold drinks or cold foods going into the digestive system?
4: Yeah, we definitely want to think about how we activate all the appropriate secretions in the body to be able to break down our food. Remember, we're talking about the word digestion means to break down. There's chemistry happening through the whole body. And so we don't want to impede impede that chemistry. We want to actually support that chemistry. So looking at TCM, looking at ancient Uh, Ayurvedic and Chinese principles, we can see that the warm, the room temperature drinks don't impede the secretions that we need to assist the breakdown of our food. And some of those foods are hard to break down. Proteins, which we need for repair, for our brain health, for so much of what we do biologically, they're hard to break down. And so we don't want to impede the production of our secretions. So I'm all for the warm, the hot, the room temperature. I know a lot of people like their cold drinks. <laughs> Not
2: <laughs> That's a because they're overheated; they're <laughs> yeah, overheated exactly. and inflamed. That's why they want them. So uh, we loved having you on today, and we want our viewers and our listeners to find out more about you on their own. Do a little uh, curiosity and searching, Google itis like we like to call it. Um, <laughs> so, what's the best place that they could find you?
4: So uh, the website is fx. Nutrition.com, FX for functional. So, FXNutrition.com, you can learn about our services for patients, for other practitioners, also how we partner with doctors. And I do have a gift, the Food Mood Poop Journal. So, you can see what I mean by tracking. There's a lot of detail in there, and you can get that at FXNutrition.com forward slash healthy view. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Andrea.
4: I'm with you guys. Thank you for all you do and so much fun. Great to see
2: you. You too. So my girls, every week we have another new and exciting guest to share their ideas and their wisdom with our audience. What are your thoughts and big takeaways from the show this week?
1: This is awesome. I mean, actually, just what Andrea was saying about the Food, Mood, Poop Journal, like, as, as I'm traveling and I'm eating in a very different way than I normally eat, I notice how different my mood, my everything about me feels. And I'm so keenly aware of it because I do tend to track this stuff anyway. But I think for people who aren't tracking it, it's such a blessing because you do have such healing ability with what you're eating. And one other thing, you know, when we started the show, I was saying, wow, you know, like I'm not even thinking about what those healing foods are because I was skipping all the basics, you know, the, the fruits and the vegetables. I was thinking about the goji berries and the this and that, but really start basic, you know, fruits and vegetables and good quality foods are what you need to feel good. Um, the best thing that happened during this show for me
3: was when Andrea was talking about the path and the bike lane or the shoulder and the poison ivy. I think that is a yeah. brilliant way of describing your choices. I can't stand anything more than the idea of a cheat day, right? Oh. You're not cheating anybody. You're not cheating anything. You know, you're yeah. making a choice. You're a grown ass woman. You're making your decisions. If you're going to go into the lane, you're going to go in the poison ivy and you're going to reap the rewards or suffer the consequences. And I, I love that visual.
2: <laughs> totally. My greatest takeaway from the show today is Michelle telling the people that they're a grown-ass woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's lots of good stuff that we cover every week and uh, if you miss any part of this show or you want to listen to it again of course you might want to listen to it again you can find us on itunes at healthy view radio and while you're there please leave us a review we love reviews like this one from sk i forgot her name sk something that skins she says i've been listening to healthy view radio since it first aired and i've been really enjoying the show michelle andrea and Lisa. Ha- Lisa and personable all right I messed that up and they are <laughs> they bring some important topics to the air in an approachable relatable way I'm enjoying the variety of topics and perspectives covered in the episodes and I'm looking forward to many more in the future I highly recommend checking out healthy view radio you won't be sorry and she's correct you won't be sorry <laughs> <laughs> so come back and join us next week we have a special guest next week who is it Michelle Oh, I don't know. Just like
3: a weird lady with like the curly hair. <laughs> uh, I think it's
2: uh, what's her name? Andrea Beeman. Yeah. Uh, okay, folks, it's that time again. We love you. We will see you next week on Healthy View Radio. We get a lot more to cover. See you then.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Healthy View Radio. Please join Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighaus again for another fun and insightful edition of our show. We're live again next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you soon.